For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, November 21st, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon here this week with Casey Smith, none other than Carl Canty Smith. That's right. You don't mind. <laughs> it's Carl with a K, so yeah. you know, get, Carl it, get it right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard anybody else with that middle name, that Canty. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a good Irish family name. Is that yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I've heard that. it as a last name before. There Learn something new every day. And uh, the other voice that you hear is none other than Dr. Roger Tuttero. Dr. Tuttero is a professor of economics at Kennesaw State University, holds the Hensler Financial Chair. Right, endowed chair. Yes. Endowed chair. There we go. There you go. Is there anything else I missed? I know you're. No, the, that's it. That's, that's you've uh, got to be the most honored person that ever shows up on our radio no no it's fun to be with the old the old family every now and then <laughs> yeah, to see how things are going <laughs> well i'll tell you this it's always good to have you uh wow. you you always have a different perspective and hopefully uh we have some good conversation today about various things economics um let's start off with what the market's been doing it's kind of the the old show um staple um this week, last five days, we see the S&P 500 is up. Uh, I wasn't on the show last week, but if I was, I would have been right because I always see the markets going up. Uh, yeah, sorry to ruin the ending for you, but uh, that's, that's kind of <laughs> how it works. Uh, energy, huge gains in energy this week, up 9.72%. That's been the way it's gone for the last couple of weeks. Uh, industrials up 4.15%. Uh, we do have some detractors utilities down three percent in the week and uh, health care down one and a half percent now health care had quite a rip after the election um i think biggest thing that uh the folks in health care were thinking i know united health care really took off uh that uh, we weren't going to have a full uh, reversal to obamacare um you know call it what you want i guess the uh, uh, what was the official name? I don't even Affordable remember. Care Act. Yeah. Affordable yeah. Care Act. There you right. go, the ACA. Um, <clears throat> so um, we've had a little more news on, on that front, and uh, obviously anybody, if you haven't been under a rock for the last three weeks, you know that uh, the national control of uh, Senate is going to come down to a couple of races in Georgia, neither of which were decided on November 3rd, as we would hope, uh, we do have the, the regular election that would have been the, the uh, seat that uh, David Perdue currently holds. Right. Um, and then we had a special election that was uh, 
Uh, Kelly Leffler actually currently sits. She's the incumbent, but uh, she will be facing off with uh, Raphael Warnock. Is that right, the one? Yeah. Right. So, uh, Interesting election night on the Senate side. There was an expectation uh, by some on the Democratic side that they would take control of the Senate. Actually, if you look at it, the three seats that flipped you know, were the two in Arizona and uh, Colorado, which was largely expected to go Republican or Democrat. And then, of course, um, in, in Alabama, where the Republicans replaced uh, Senator Jones. So that, that gave her a net gain of one. But actually, the two in, three interesting ones were not those. It was North Carolina and Iowa, which were both seen as right. toss-up states, and the Republicans maintained them. And then I thought one of the most amazing upsets of the night was Susan Collins in Maine, who ran down right. in almost all the polls and ended up winning by like 8.5%. Yeah, it was big, uh, I mean, compared to what they thought. And like you said, uh, negative in the polls, thinking she was going to lose the seat. Uh, I read a story since then that said basically the locals, it came down to the fact that they were just fed up with all the, the attention that, w- that they were getting. And, uh, hey, sounds like what we might deal with in Georgia <laughs> in the next month and a half. Yeah, right? if, if you happen to be a consultant or sell media for a living, it's going to be a great six weeks. But, yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, the open question is going to be it's hard to imagine that, that, that you will see a lot of splitting of the ticket, and so it probably will go two, two to nothing one way or the other. Yeah, but uh, there's going to be probably more money thrown around in this campaign than certainly anything in Georgia history. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I like to look at is some of the betting websites. Right. Uh, no, I don't have a problem. If I do, uh, you know, I'm sure I can find the one eight hundred number you're supposed to call. But uh, you've got a problem, is, Troy. But you may not be gambling. <laughs> oh, one problem. What are you talking about? I got a whole fistful. But uh, the the thing that I like to do is look at predictit.com. Right. Uh, it's not a, a paid advertisement, without a doubt. It's just a place that I like to go. It's, uh, you know, when people put their money where their mouth is trying to determine what the election will be, I did notice this week that uh, 30% chance, uh, 30% probability as, uh, you know, shown on those websites that uh, in both races that will have a Democrat in those seats. So the inverse of that, 70% uh, likelihood, according to predictit.com at the moment. Um, Seems like the know. market is reacting favorably to that likelihood that, you know, we're going to see potentially a, a split between the White House and Congress, and, and the market seems to be pleased with that outcome that, you know, right. chances for rolling back the uh, Trump um the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that seem less likely in that yeah. scenario and things like that that uh, the market seems to be appreciative of at this right. point. Right. Yeah, shared governance sometimes, or gridlock as some people would call it, it can be a way to kind of protect us from our own worst tendencies. So. Yeah, and, you know, the market has actually done well in those scenarios. Right. Uh, I think maybe even a little better with a Democrat as president with the uh, with the one or the other house of uh, Congress being uh, controlled by the opposite party. So, uh, you know, history is telling us that it's not the absolute worst thing to have, uh, have I, I like the way you put it, I always call it gridlock, but uh, split governance it makes you sound a whole lot more <laughs> it's a more PC. Yeah, yeah, even if you say it with my accent, I mean, <laughs> sound a little smarter. Um, all right, so uh, some of the other things that we've been looking at, uh, 465 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have reported, so we're getting toward the end of earnings season. Um, looks like growth is negative. Uh, earnings growth down almost 8%. Uh, sales growth negative 1.5%. This is all relative to same period last year. Uh, when you look at 
surprise, though, tells a whole lot different story, don't it, Casey? Yeah, and the surprise is really where the market makes a lot of the moves. I mean, you know, right. at the end of the day, they're pricing in what they think is going to happen, so a positive surprise is going to move the market in the positive direction normally. Right. So that's kind of what we've been seeing over the past few few weeks and months and uh, as we've started to see the third quarter earnings roll in. Yeah, we saw a 19% uh, better earnings than expected across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, big differentials, uh, energy, which, as we just noted, uh, had a huge pop this week, over 9% positive. Uh, 79.39% better than expected uh, in in uh, energy sector. Um, if you compare that, it's not even measurable. Sales were still... Uh, off by one third. Um, yeah, earnings it, growth not measurable. Though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the problem is it's hard to compare negative to a previous negative. Right. So, you right. know, we've had several uh, several quarters of negativity, and hey, let's face it, since 2014, energy has struggled. Yeah. Um, you know, we had uh, had all kind of things going on. Um, that was back 2015. You know, we had the the issues with the Arab Spring and. Uh, an uprising in the Middle East um, based on the fact that uh, energy prices had been managed so low by Saudi Arabia back then. And uh, we did recover some, but uh, we're right back at it now. Well, the fact that you've got so much uh, production that we've kind of become less reliant on on foreign oil over the past few years, it's definitely uh, created more supply and Right. Uh, stabilize some of the pricing. So yeah, and our friends, you know, the, the Russians and the um, in the Middle East did not really cut back production as much as some people thought. Correct. So guess what? When supply exceeds demand, you get the falling price. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, in the last few yeah. weeks, now I will say, and this is part of the reason that we saw prices up above forty-two bucks again just in the last few days. Right. But uh, you know, when we they report reserves every week. Uh, this week we got a report uh, expected to be over a million barrels. Came in at like 600,000. So uh, while it doesn't seem like a, a huge amount as a percentage, it was big. Uh, oil prices obviously go up on news when uh, supplies obviously not being outstripped. Right. Um, and, and of course, that is a sector where the election results could, should play in eventually. But with the third quarter data, we're looking backwards. We're going back, right, right. you know, a good five weeks before the election. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, demand is still. Not 100%. Um, you know, even though we had more planes flying, they're still not full. Uh, you know, so... so and of course, we got the, the, big the spike portions. in COVID cases now that's going to probably play into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, it it kind of surprises me still when I look at the uh, year-to-date numbers on the S&P 500. Uh, this is including uh, dividend 12.71% higher on the S&P 500. Normal, we would expect, is about 10.5%. So yeah. we're having a better a than normal year. year. Uh, Dr. Tuttero, does that seem reasonable to you? We had a 34% decline uh, in the S&P 500 from February 19th to March 23rd. We had a 31% pullback in GDP in the same quarter, right? <clears throat> right, 34 bounced back in the third. But yeah. the other thing to remember, this is, of course, not measuring broad economic prosperity. We're looking at here the return on the stocks. And, any, again, part of the reason the Fed takes short-term rates to zero is to kind of pressure the, the risk-owned trade. Mm-hmm. And they were very honest about that in 08, 09. So, of right. course, I don't know many other places you can park cash and get a lot of return right now. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. Yeah, they, they're, they're trying to get you to get off the sidelines and invest. All right, well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll have a dog of the week and various other questions. 
that we have something, you know, that far away. But, uh, you know, once in a while you do. You're going time. global. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? Globalization of money talks. Uh, Joshua Huta Galung. Nicely yeah, that's, done. That's fellow's name. Uh, he was out in his yard working. Heard a loud thud on the roof. Um, another thud inside his house. Runs inside. There's a rock laying in the floor. Big hole in the roof. Meteor has Whoa. fallen through the roof of his house. Uh, KC, this is where you come in. He, through a series of uh, conversations and uh, with the news and uh, other folks, some in the United States, he has now sold his meteorite nice. for, as he indicated, more than a million bucks. Now, there is a valuation on this, and, you know, I do a good bit of valuation work. I wouldn't know where to start other than the market-based valuation <laughs> methodology. Yeah. Uh, how much did the last one sell for? Um, so it's valued at $1,858,556. So I got that a little That's backwards. A but pretty specific uh, yeah. price there. $1.8 we'll call it. $1. That's a nice rock. Million. Yeah. I yeah. would say. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know how nice it is, actually? It's a uh, chunk of CM1-2 carbonaceous chondrite. Oh, I got those at home in the backyard. Oh, yeah? yeah sure. Yeah, you just, course. like, got a rock yeah. garden there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this one weighed four and a half pounds. It fell through. <laughs> Could you imagine? Wow. The thing, it's hilarious. Now, if you go online and you look at Sumatran Man sells meteorite for a million dollars, I'm sure you'll find this story. Uh, there is a, a video there, and one of the gentlemen that he's talking to, it's all in, in a, I, I would assume, the local language. I didn't understand a word of it. But one of the gentlemen there has got a motorcycle helmet on. I'm wondering if he thinks that there's going to be another strike. In the that sky is falling. <laughs> yeah. it's, it was funny to me. I'm just perusing it and thinking, <laughs> well, I wish I knew what they were saying. Hopefully, what I've read is uh, enough to determine that. But, you know, there's a dude standing there talking to the guy about the rock that fell through his roof with a helmet on. You know, that's a, that's a great example of uh, what the behavioral finance people call uh, recency bias. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, <laughs> the <laughs> chances yesterday. of him getting hit in the head with a meteor are pretty small, but because it just happened, he thinks it's, you know. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. Might as well protect himself. All right. Well, uh, Casey, I'm sure that uh, if Jarrett were on here, he would have already made a call. To Joshua, yeah, and uh, probably be leaving a message on his voice. Probably so. And if he's listening right now, there's a very likely chance that he's doing it even now. Jarrett, go ahead and give him a call, man. That's See right. If he's yeah. got a financial he's, planner. Uh, the good news is he uh, he said that the money will allow him to expand the house, probably fix the <laughs> fix the roof. First. Yeah, that's. Uh, but he's going to expand the house and he's going to donate some money toward the local church. So, uh, well, I'm not sure that qualifies as the dog of the week, right? That it's not. I pretty mean, pretty good outcome. Uh, yeah. Right? No, absolutely. And here's the thing. Now, I, I'm glad you called me on that because yeah. 
Over the years, the dog of the week has become something more. Quite often what I'll do is call out, uh, you know, folks on strange um, business models. And, uh, you know, we've had people that make martinis out of frozen toes and, uh, you know, just things that you never would <laughs> Yeah, so how about that stock market? <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about next? So. Hey, I got some stuff to talk about. Let's uh, get back to the economy since uh, since we got a lot of uh, – Questions, a lot of balls in the air. Um, you know, it's always the the game is to determine what comes next. And while none of us know, um, we do have quite a uh, quite a, a bit of um, information to peruse. Uh, first of all, we've got a significant COVID outbreak. Right. Uh, we've got some local municipalities that are trying to shut down. Uh, you know, or, or insist on wearing masks. Uh, Various things that got us into quite a quite a bit of a mess in uh, March. Um, we've got a consumer who was, you know, the early months of the year, we saw unemployment at 11 percent plus. Mm-hmm. Um, that has actually improved to just 6.9. Yeah, the unemployment rate has really it's been impressive how quickly it's come down. But we also need to remember that the labor force participation rate, which was about 63.3 before the pandemic, dropped all the way down to just over 60. So that, And now it's made, made, made back about half of that drop. So it tells you the unemployment rate is still probably artificially reading things maybe as much as a point and a half low. Yeah, I did notice that uh, underemployment this week is about 12.6%. I think it got right. down in the single digits when we were at 3.5% unemployment. Right. Uh, so there, you're right. There's some fuzzy math going on with the numbers, but uh, folks are working. I ran into a guy, and I know this is anecdotal, but uh, had to go to Lowe's not long ago uh, this past week just to pick up some boards uh, for a project that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me, yeah, he'd, he'd love to help me. He said uh, he was kind of bored with that job. He's usually a uh, an event planner. Right, and he's working at Lowe's in the lumber section right now, just to make ends yeah. meet. So uh, not a whole lot of events know. going on these right. days, and, and that's precisely his thing. He said, uh, you know, you couldn't pay folks to go visit one of my normal jobs. And you know, that outputs. makes a very important point, which is we think about the economy coming back, growing by 33 percent in the third quarter, yeah. and we need to comment on that. Remind people that's an annualized rate. Right, that's about eight percent for the quarter. Sure. But there are sectors of the economy, you know, you, you may, hospitality, which include the hotels, um, the, the uh, travel, the retail sector, the restaurants, all that is still under tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah, and all of those would be impacted negatively by the fact that you can't go to those events. I mean, think about right. it. Who's having, uh, who's having uh, big, uh, uh, what are they, the, the uh, events where you go out and out new products and various other things yeah, nobody's conventions and, and there yeah. you go job yeah, that's right convention, conventions. you know i usually give a lot of speeches a year let's say i'm face to face and almost every one of them has been moved to zoom after um i think february was the last time actually i was out of the state doing a face-to-face event yeah and i mean that's great for the people that attend but it's, it kills the hotels it kills the event planners the caterers yeah i mean it's been it's been a uh, it's been an unprecedented downturn for them yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're still not only are we dealing with that, we're dealing with the frustration of having to deal with that at this point. And uh, yeah. I, I think that's probably a big portion of the reason that we've seen uh, spike higher in uh, in COVID cases. Um, we got news in the last couple of weeks that uh, uh, and, and one piece of this I just absolutely love. Uh, got a got a new vaccine out of Pfizer. That was, uh, you know, last Monday we saw mm-hmm. a big spike in 
stock prices and you know the potential for demand coming back that's a lot of the news about energy having a, a better run right um <clears throat> you know if if somebody's going to start driving their car again uh so we had moderna this and week, we had yeah. pfizer and we've had <laughs> the most hilarious part russia who has already deemed that they've cured their vaccine although there's they just hit two million cases in russia oh. uh came out after we saw pfizer say they had 90 plus percent uh efficacy in their in their uh impact on the virus russia said oh yeah we got 92.4 well, I mean, you know. they always got to be a little better. And it's then good, Moderna good came them. over. Yeah, but here's the thing: we got to remember that that hooray for big science. I mean, to get yeah, over a ninety percent, uh, I mean, that, that we don't get that in the typical flu vaccine. So this right. is an amazing achievement in a short window of time. That having been said, it's going to take us a while to produce it and get it out there. That's yeah. true. So let's not expect to and see this go away by Christmas. Convince the populace to take it. You know, right. that's going to be right. the, the other thing is how, yeah. how many people are going to be want to be first in line to, to get well, the Well, that's a big question, vaccine. too, because Moderna has talked about theirs impacting your RNA. Right. Whereas, you know, the, the Pfizer vaccine is a little more conventional, I think. Uh, so, you know, there's some folks that are going to balk a little bit, which, you know, there's going to be a decision to be made. Uh, and not only that, as Roger mm -hmm. just noted, where, you know, which one's going to be produced uh, quickly enough to make an impact. I think we're probably a few months away from, from uh, widespread uh, vaccinations. Um, you know, herd immunity is catching us about as quick as the vaccine might. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that is uh, definitely something that we've got going on. Um, so, you know, we've already kind of pointed at the political piece of this as well. Obviously, um, uh, Joe Biden's tax plan is, uh, in my estimation, probably a negative for business uh, to the, for the most part. Uh, it does make, uh, you know, when you start talking about raising taxes and, and regulating businesses, that's all costs. Right. They're going to go away from uh, your asset growth. Um you know, we've seen uh, all kind of things. One of the pieces that I ran into this week was uh, the 401k plan. And I'm not sure if you guys have uh, talked about that much at all. But, um, you know, there's there's uh, details in a, uh, the 401k. And he would take away the, uh, the tax benefits from the 401k and replace it with a 26% tax credit. Credit, yeah. yeah. Basically trying to, to even the playing field, if you will, for so that... You know, you don't get, you don't benefit as much from being in a higher tax bracket and being able to to make those deductible contributions to your 401k. Right. Um, definitely plays into it and and would certainly even the playing field for the lower income folks that are making contributions and encourages investment in those types of plans. So. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. So uh, when we come back, let's flesh that out a little bit more. We'll talk some more economics. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school It's a wonder I can think at all And my lack of education hasn't hurt me none Social distancing Small groups Reacting to the unexpected Takes a lot of knowing Self-quarantine this is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Dr. Roger Tuttero. You're listening to Money Talks. And uh, we've been talking a good bit about uh, 
economics and the situation we're dealing with now, uh, as uh, you know, as strange as it might seem, uh, got a market that's uh, doing better than the average year. We've had uh, an official recession in the middle of the year. Um, before we get back too deep into that, though, I want to make sure everybody has a way to contact us. Uh, if you would like to have your answers, have your answers now, have your questions answered on the air. Maybe I thought it was going to be a little Alex Trebek tribute. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. You know. well, yeah. how about that? Send the answer, we'll give you the question. Yeah, I forgot all about poor old Alex. He, uh, yeah. he passed on us this past week, didn't he? Um, but uh, you can get in touch with us by calling our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. The way it works, you'll call in, get our message uh, at the beep. You can leave your message, including your question. We'll play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer, instead of talking to our machine, to call and talk to a human, you can do that. 770-429-9166. When you call, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn. Uh, They should patch you through, and uh, she'll take your question and make sure that we get it. Um, If you prefer, instead, just to email us, you can do that as well. DrGeneHensler.com is uh, our email address. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, one other way, if you don't want to talk to us at all, uh, we won't be offended, but you can uh, still log in and check out our website. There's loads and loads of information, uh, economic data, a lot of personal finance items. Uh, that, again, is Hensler dot com, spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R com. So um, before the break, we were talking about uh, Biden's proposed changes to 401ks. Um, and, and you have already stated at KC, basically what it does is it takes away uh, some of the outsized benefit from folks that are high earners uh, who might be in a higher tax bracket. So if you were at a 37% tax bracket, say, uh, and you put aside $10,000. Yeah. In a traditional IRA, it goes in before taxation, so you get the benefit of. You effectively save thirty-seven hundred bucks. Right. Whereas, you know, let's say you're in the twenty percent bracket, then you're only saving two thousand dollars. Yeah. What if this you put would aside do is the same amount, right? It would it would equalize everyone in that case. Put aside the same amount, ten thousand dollars, then you're going to get a twenty-six hundred dollar tax credit, um, and so it's going to basically be the same thing as if you were in the 26% bracket for everyone. So, you know, we were talking a little bit off off the air about how what the impact of that might sure. be. And, um, you know, more than likely that's going to encourage a lot of participation in Roth probably from, especially if you're in a, one of those higher brackets, because um, then the money goes in, you know, to after tax, but it grows tax free. Yeah. But the trick's going to be whether you can qualify, whether your income's low enough to still put into Roth, right? What does it, what does it max out at? A hundred and something? Well, yeah. for a 401k, there's no income limit. So okay. that's the, Very good. the good yeah, thing. The Roth is good. Roth 401k. Okay. What, what you were likely Roth to see IRAs. is, okay. yeah, a Roth 401k is going to be adapted or adopted by more businesses probably. Because right. you don't see them. I mean, there's, there's quite a few businesses that have a Roth 401k option, uh, but not all of them have them. So, you know, you, any, any, uh, High uh, earners uh, within the business are probably more likely to use the Roth, uh, based on based on my assumptions. Yeah, and, I mean, if you think about to use. what that what that's doing, if you're in say the 37 percent bracket, I mean, you're you're missing out on deduction because if if you remain in that bracket, you know, since it's assuming that it doesn't change, which it probably will, but um, you know, then you're you're effectively being taxed twice on 
that money above the 37 percent yeah you know, deduction uh, amount exactly the so. 37 if you're at 37 and you're going to get the 26 percent break then yeah the, the like 11 percent on the front side plus and you'll be taxed 37 percent on the back if you're in the same bracket yeah assuming that is the case so um the thing that you are likely to see though is is uh those that are maybe in the uh, blue collar you know mechanics and uh, ditch diggers, I come from a long line of those folks. So, <laughs> electricians and whatnot uh, are probably going to get benefits from mm. uh, from a change like this. The only thing that I worry about a little bit is it will change your take-home pay by almost the exact amount of the money you set aside, whereas it hasn't in the past. Yeah, and that's uh, the problem. You'll have those... to get the benefit at the end of the year. You're going right. to get the tax credit. Right, right. Yeah, and the lower income folks, a lot of times, you know, it's not a matter of not wanting to contribute. It's that they're living more or less paycheck right. to paycheck and yeah. not able to contribute anyway. So whether it encourages more participation, I don't know how how effective that's going to actually be, but we'll see. And the other big question, I think, in part of the tax, if tax reform comes, a couple comments. You know, you're likely going to see the cap on state and local tax deductibility come under pressure again mm -hmm. because it's particularly unpopular in the high-tax states, New York, California, Illinois, New Jersey, Connecticut, and those are all blue states. Yep. So any kind of tax and spending which starts in the House is probably going to acknowledge that. And then the other part is uh, if the corporate income tax does go up from 21 to 28 percent, that's only seven percentage points but that's a 25% markup. Yeah. And we do think that the cut in the C-Corp tax in 2017 had to be one of the stimulants for the market. Oh, absolutely. And then the last point I would make, and I know all you have a lot of small business owners that are, that are listeners, is to remember that part of the CARES Act said that if you have net operating losses in 2020, you can claw back taxes that you paid in the last, I think, three years before that. Right. So, again, small business owners that are, that are clients or are listeners of the show, get with their CPAs now before the end of the year. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we won't know until January 5th, uh, you know, how the Senate goes. So uh, you, you might want to think about uh, some of the potential proposed changes. Uh, including yeah, that, that really does throw a wrench in things that, that we won't know until after the first of the year, for sure, what direction we're going to have and whether we're going to have uh, Republicans in control of the Senate still or if it's going to go the other way. And um, you know, so that's, it makes planning a lot more difficult because. Right. Well, yeah. the one thing I will say is I'm not sure that we would see a retroactive, uh, change right. that, you know, is made in 2021 and effective on 2020 taxes. So, uh, I think that's probably unlikely. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it's still kind of yeah. Makes just you worry in terms of trying bit. to set yourself up for 2021, and maybe you know it might be a situation where you'd rather pull income into this year if you think that rates are going up or what have you. But you won't know that until after January. So yeah, um, it makes it makes it a little more difficult. No doubt. Get, get out your crystal always, ball, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a magic eight ball. It's right up there by UKC. That's you right. shake it a couple of times and tell us what it says. Uh, so, Roger, what do you think about Georgia? I mean, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about national uh, politics as well as national economics, um, but how's the state doing? You know, by way of comparison to, to the national averages, a little bit better. Uh, second quarter, we had that horrendous GDP number down 31.4%. Well, yeah, Georgia was down 27.7. It was also down a little bit less in the first quarter than the national average. So that's, that's a little bit of good news. If we look at the reduction in payroll employment, 
from peak to trough, it came down about 14.5% nationwide. We were down a little bit less than that in Georgia. So we're holding up a little better. The governor, obviously, in the General Assembly, had to make some really tough calls this spring uh, to be in the middle of a session and have a pandemic hit like this. But I think they did a great job of navigating their way through basically a recession nobody could anticipate. Uh, around the state, Savannah and Brunswick clearly got hit harder than many other places, and that's probably the concentration of hospitality. But uh, every MSA in the state is adding jobs again. Nobody is, is really back up above where they were in February, and it's going to take a while. Yeah. I mean, I, t- I tell people we may have got back half of the job loss in the first five months, but the next half is not going to take five months. It's right. going to take 15 months or more. Exactly. A lot of businesses did fail. Yes. And, uh, you know, those, those, some of those jobs are not coming back. I mean, right. you know, not immediately. We'll, uh, we'll have to grow out of that. And that's, as, just as you said, uh, it's going to take a little longer. Now, um, how much difference do you think, uh, you know, Georgia's a lot more agrarian than a lot of folks might realize. Uh, and crops continue to grow in February and March. Right. Uh, you know, we plant them early uh, down south. So I, I'm thinking that that had to help some probably uh, cushion the the blow instead of the nationwide uh, decline numbers. We, as you noted, were kind of less than that. Right. Um, the states uh, that got hit the most were either heavy hospitality states. I think it was Nevada and Hawaii were both down 42% for ouch. state GDP. Now, remember, these are annualized rates. And then the, in the extreme northeast where the, I think the government shutdowns were a little bit more aggressive. That's what I think the outliers were. Yeah, and uh, to to kind of translate what you just said about it being an annualized rate. I think you and I did the math back in April or mm-hmm. May. Uh, that annualized rate that we saw in the second quarter at uh, 31% or change. Right. Uh, it actually went right out nine. around 9%. Yep, and then right. the recovery that we've seen at 31 and change. Yeah, 33% in the third quarter is about eight roughly okay. for a single quarter. Yeah. All right. So uh, in, in both cases, the number sounds a whole lot bigger because they always annualize it. Right. Yeah, so uh, it still hurts, <laughs> but uh, yes. but the recovery is is uh, well underway, and we're we're uh, hopeful, and I, you know that that we get the uh, uh, vaccines to uh, take care of everything we need, and uh, don't have too much that uh, that it it uh, impacts us going forward, except to the positive. Let's hope. Money talks. We'll be right back. Economic activity picked up. We can't deal with an economic crisis until you beat the pandemic. The ups, the downs. Which way will it go? We're here to keep you informed. This, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon with Casey Smith and Dr. Roger Tuttero, and uh, we've been talking all sorts of uh, economics. If you would like to get in touch with us, you've got several ways you can do that. Uh, first of all, the question hotline, you can call us at 1-855-429-9166. Uh, you'll get a recorded message at the beep. You can leave your message, including your question. We play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Um, if you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn. Uh, they'll patch you through. She'll take your 
information and uh, we'll answer your question on the air. That, by the way, is also the same way that you can get in touch with KC Smith, who is a CFP and uh, SEPA. Anything else, KC? Am I missing anything? That's it. That's all, right, that's all so I got for you. SEPA. Tell <laughs> us what that means again. Everybody knows what a CFP is. Certified Exit Planning Advisor. All right. So, so and business that's not a, uh, a not an estate planning thing. Is a lot of people get confused when they hear exit planning. They think I might be talking about exiting this earth. <laughs> uh, but no, selling your business. Right. Selling your yeah, business. Exactly. Not quite so morbid as that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, although financial planning can get morbid, right? Uh, sure can. At times. Uh, all right. So if you want to get in touch with KC, had a financial planning question. Uh, you can call again, 770-429-9166. Uh, if you prefer to email us, you can do that as well. Dr. Gene at Hensler.com is our address. D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, <laughs> if none of those work for you, just go to our website and figure it out yourself. Wow. Do it your own self. <laughs> I, I always, put it out there, Troy. Yeah, well, I mean, I always consider myself a do-it-yourselfer. I I work on my own car, fix my plumbing issues at the house, making sure afterward not to bite my fingernails. And uh, usually, I, you know, I kind of make fun of myself. Just do it your own dang self. Yeah. So, I mean, if you got that attitude. Well, it's uh, great for I'm guys gonna... like you, but if I had to earn an honest living, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so thank goodness for economics. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we could teach you which end of the shovel to hold. Good, great. I'm sure I'm we in. can get you up, up to speed in no time. Uh, all right, so um, let's get into some questions. We got lots of questions from uh, listeners. We got one here from Ryan from Cartersville who says, uh, I've been looking for a stable financial holding, and I came across Citizens Financial Group. Uh, seems undervalued but has earnings, lower beta, Seems to be a stable, uh, reasonable PE, but looking at the past year, performance makes me wonder why analysts are deeming it a buy. Um, yeah, it's not just a financial holding. This is a bank. Uh, you got banking um, in New England, Mid-Atlantic, Midwest regions, so more or less the East Coast, uh, you know, Midwest, I would say, probably gets into mm -hmm. uh, a little further inland. But uh, this this is a bank. It does have a PE ratio of 13.72 which is uh, somewhat attractive compared to the uh, stock market that's got a PE of 26, 27. Uh, looks way expensive relative to its long-term averages. Um, but there's a few issues that I think you really ought to think about here. Uh, Five-year growth has been 12% in the bank. Um, there's, uh, I mean, with the interest rate environment, Roger, you might talk to this. Sure. Net interest margin is uh, almost going under pressure again. Yeah, you, you know, the banks had to go through a tough time between 2010, 2008, and 2015 when we had essentially right. zero short-term interest rates. Right. And as rates came up, it helped them expand those margins between what they pay on, the, on their uh, deposits and what they get back on the asset side. But obviously, this low interest rate environment is going to compress those margins. That's challenge number one. And then challenge number two is that in concerns over defaults in 2021, a lot of them are going to put more money in the loan loss reserve. You know, up until now, we've had a lot of forbearance agreements in both the public and private sector, but eventually we're going to have to start servicing the debt. And we may not have a clear issue as of yet who both households and business will service their bank debt. Right. And then the final part is, I mean, underwriting is challenging. I mean, the banks want to loan money. But it's hard to look at 2018-19 financials and say that they're relevant in 2021. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I did watch, and I was fortunate enough to, to be real closely 
uh, in tune with banking uh, back in 2007 and 8 as an analyst here mm-hmm. at, Finan- at Hensler Financial. Um, the thing that I look at is like non-performing assets relative to other, their peer banks. Right. Uh, and, and when you look, um, Citizens Financial Group has uh, 1.02% of their assets is non-performing assets. Uh, their peers average 0.63%, so it's worse by a pretty good stretch, even though the number sounds small, it's worse by a pretty fair stretch. Uh, their reserves against loan losses uh, relative to those non-performing loans, 178 times, which sounds, oh, that's well covered. You look at their peers, 254. Yeah. So they're not quite as conservative as even the, the average bank in their space. Uh, it's probably one of the reasons that the valuation looks a little more attractive than some of the others. Uh, and, and then, I mean, you know, even even thinking about uh, profitability and, and economic things that are way out of their control as an individual bank, think about the consumer. I mean, the consumer has to be healthier. You're going to experience right. even more uh, non-performing loans, defaults on assets. Um, you know, we've and got small businesses. I mean, the banks are the primary capital source for the small business. Yeah. And I'll say that some banks did really well the last couple of uh, months with the PPP program. Where, you know, where Treasury, you know, pushed the money, they're pushing the money out through SBA. Right. And so a lot of them are going to end up coming out pretty well on that. So that's that's a good thing for it. The other, the other factor is consolidations. We saw a lot of smaller banks get rolled into some big ones, and we saw some pretty good-sized regionals get rolled together. So that that wave is probably not done yet, but it probably is on hold for a couple more quarters. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, one of the comments made, uh, Ryan, you said, uh, you, you wondered why it was a buy since it did so well last year. 41% it gained in 2019. It's lost 15% this year, and the market's up about 12. Um, so you can see that it's been kind of uh, suffering a bit. Uh performed better lately when a lot of the other financials have, but I really do think that uh, that the loan portfolio probably is not the best one to invest in right now, and I would pass on it. All right, we've got uh, another one here, and since we're doing banks, why not talk about Ronald from Woodstock? I've held Rocket Companies for maybe six months now. Uh, I would have expected it to fare better with the surge in residential real estate. I know mortgage interest rates are low, uh, but you'd think an increase in business would balance it out. Should I keep this one? Uh, Rocket is a mortgage company, obviously. it's um, If you've watched TV for more than 10 minutes in your life, You've probably seen a Rocket Mortgage commercial. Uh, it, they they spend a lot on their advertising right now. Um, it's expected to grow earnings by about 10%. The stock has moved sideways uh, since it was issued. Um, and actually, I think the issuance, there's no way you could have held it for six months. And I know it's easy to lose track. I think it got issued uh, back in August, uh, went public. Um, so uh, when you look... Uh, you know, a financial company with no dividend is very rare. Uh, the bank index on average right now is paying a 3.4% dividend yield. Uh, this is one mm-hmm. that, you, I mean, it's really weird that you would get a company with so many tie-ins, uh, but it's got banking. Obviously, it's uh, generates mortgages, but it's all also technology because you can do all that online. Now, most banks right. are, you know, you got online uh, functionality, but I think... This one is uh, is a bit overblown at the moment, and oh by the way, doesn't have a PE ratio at all. Um, 
So yeah, no earnings to speak of. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to really know the whole story there until there's a little more history and you can figure out what's what's right. going on with the underlying yeah. financials. And mortgage market's tricky because we had a big surge in refi activity in the second and third quarter as rates came down. Sure. But I don't know how long that's going to drive out. So it's going to be a purchase-dominated market again at some point. Right. Uh, the other thing you do mention, the online presence, there is the market has been in love with fintech for quite a while. And right. so the online presence may make it seem more attractive than just the strict fundamentals would suggest. Yeah, if I were going to value it, uh, really the only way to, to look at this is a price to book since they don't have earnings. Price to book on uh, Rocket is 1.47, we'll call it. Uh, if you look at Annaly Capital, a service provider for mortgages, uh, 0.916. So it's even showing expensive relative to the, the ratios that we have. All right, folks, well, that uh, is going to wrap it for our show this week. I say the market's up. KC, what do you think? market's got to be up. All right, so, uh, Dr. Tuttero, what do you think? I'll defer to the smart guys in the room. (laughs) I can never get him to say anything. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.